You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning and welcome into the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm National Recruiting Analyst Cooper Pizzagno alongside 24-7 Sports Director of Scouting, Andrew Ivins. Andrew, it's, it, it feels like forever. We recorded the podcast last week with the Athletics Bruce Feldman on Wednesday. It came out on Thursday. Hopefully you enjoyed that. A lot to talk about there. We didn't re- really even get to catch up on that, you know, uh, and, and talk about it on the episode. But we appreciate Bruce Feldman coming on and, and talking about pretty much everything. Jaden Rashada included his recruitment. Also talked a little bit about Mike Leach and the Freaks list. Great interview. If you haven't listened to that one, you can find that on 247sports.com. But, Drew, we are back in the saddle on Monday morning. Happy Valentine's Day, my friend. I know you had a busy weekend. We got allergy season down there in Florida. You had another wedding. It just never ends for you, my friend. It, it doesn't. It's also Tuesday morning. You, you, you threw out the Monday morning. So is Patagna it Tuesday? Flag. Yeah, Patagna flag early in Quick the morning. Patagna right flag. Okay. okay. Yeah, man, I, I'm I'm doing good. It was a it was a fun weekend, capped off by the the Super Bowl. Um, I'm sure you you I know. Well, you were you were working on Sunday. I did a little work on Sunday as well, but I know you got to watch the game. We're going to get a little bit into that game. Uh, get into the camp you were at. Um, but how you doing, bud? I'm doing great, man. You, you, you said it. I had a nice event outside of Atlanta, Carrollton High School, about hour 45 from Birmingham. So a quick little drive. Very convenient. Our guys, Billy Tucker and UC Report, always put on a good event. And for us, man, I mean, that's the first time you're seeing a lot of these guys. 2025, 2026. So being able to body type those guys, move around. We're going to talk about that camp a little bit later, as you alluded to. But... The the big headline this weekend was the big game, at Super Bowl 57 at, down there in Phoenix, Arizona. And this was a game that went back and forth and had this really dramatic feel. And then all of a sudden, like the bubble burst and, and the air just came out of the game after that holding penalty late in the game. Chiefs go on, kick the uh, kick the field goal to, to win the game and win Super Bowl 57 and Patrick Mahomes for the second time in how many years has his second Super Bowl, uh, Andy Reid as well. Now, certainly a Hall of Fame head coach, even even before this game, but the job that he's done. But I wanted to talk a little bit about Kansas City, Andrew, and, and some of the takeaways maybe from looking at the job that general manager Brett Veach has done. Like when you take a step back from 30,000 feet, to me, even uh, – going more in depth this morning and looking at their roster and how they piece this together. I think we hear so much of why it's important to win with a quarterback on a rookie contract. That is not the case with Patrick Mahomes. So from a personnel standpoint, you're going to have to give up a little bit. And Kansas City, to me, has done a tremendous job. You know, I tweeted about this earlier, but 12 of their 22 starters on rookie deals 15 of their 22 starters were drafted by the kansas city chiefs so when you look at that initial takeaway brett veach the general manager in the front office they really had to thread the needle but they have hit really well especially on day two of the nfl draft in recent years and we can dive into this a little bit more and talk about you know some of these specific positions and and maybe how it translates to college football but to me, like even before the game, I, I just remember th- thinking in the AFC Championship, like I just love the way that this Kansas City Chiefs roster is constructed. Uh, I mean, you mentioned the fact that they're hitting on a lot of day two, what, day three guys in the draft, a lot of rookie contracts, a lot of 
first and second year players. I think if you apply this to the world of college football and we keep talking about the transfer portal and how the transfer portal is free agency and then high school recruiting is your NFL draft, right? You have to hit on your guys that you sign out of high school. And when you apply it to the NFL model and, and what the Kansas City Chiefs are doing, yeah, man, of course they're hitting on on the day one, day two guys. We saw George Carl Loftus out there, uh, the first round pick and some key snaps. But the real difference makers are the guys that are uh, the back end of, of what would be that recruiting class. We always talk about it, Cooper, about assembling a, a group of individuals at, at, at the college level, right? We know your one through 10 is going to be good, but what about 10 through 20 in your recruiting class? What does that look like? So be, because for Kansas City, they're hitting on a ton of individuals from right there, and a ton of those individuals made plays on Sunday night. Isaiah Pacheco, uh, Nick Bolton, the linebacker, you know, those are guys that they got day two, guys that they brought in, made strong evaluations and hit on. And I think you brought up a great point. You're kind of playing with house money at that point, right? Uh, you, 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 you're not only getting the evaluation done, but you're also getting the coaching done and finding the right individual. So I, I noticed that as well. Um, it certainly makes life easier when, when, when guys that you're essentially kind of rolling the dice on pan out. Well, from a personnel standpoint, it allows you to really build your roster and then focus on need, right? So when you're breaking down this roster a little bit, the, the positions where they have had to go out and make acquisitions via trade, Orlando Brown came over a couple years ago from from Baltimore. They gave up a lot of draft capital for that, making uh, protecting Patrick Mahomes a huge priority, right? They signed Joe Tooney from the Patriots, a big one. And then you talked about the importance of the draft. Creed Humphrey, day two pick a few years back in 2021, I believe. And then Trey Smith, the same year, a six-round draft pick, former five-star out of Tennessee, they hit on both those guys. And then Andrew Wiley, really a journeyman practice squad guy, got elevated, and he's kind of turned into a nice piece for them on the offensive line. Outside of that, the position where I felt that really stood out to me, the question this offseason for the Chiefs was, how big of an impact was the absence of Tyreek Hill going to be for them? And you kind of saw the Chiefs say, okay, the one position where we feel like we can reallocate a lot of our resources, and maybe this position is more of a dime a, a dozen, was receiver. They go get Juju Smith-Schuster on a one-year contract. They trade for Kadarius Toney in the middle of the season, former first-round draft pick of the New York Giants. They draft Sky Moore out of Western Michigan in the second round. Justin Watson is a, another guy. You know, they signed him, uh, I want to say, I don't know what year they signed him, but, I mean, he was a future reserve guy, right? Practice uh, A former fifth-round pick was a practice squad guy for the Bucks, And then Marquez Valdez-Scanting as well comes over from Green Bay, and they, they get him on a discounted price. So, you know, you look at they, – they still got playmakers within that group, but you got Sky Moore on a rookie contract – contract same with Kadarius Tony they get Juju Smith-Schuster on an all-time value contract and you're like okay Drew I think you texted me yesterday that 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 note that you had about Tyreek Hill right that, that was, he's that getting me. paid that wasn't you <laughs> no okay then I don't, I don't know who I heard that from but I, I think Tyreek Hill what was it 30 million dollars right as much as he's making this year and maybe I gotta go back and fact check this but the the value in terms of the Kansas City Chiefs entire receiving core is close to or less than that of what Tyreek Hill is making. So you think about that. Well, I guess what I'm saying is, is like, all right, how do we relate this back to college football? Well, to me, I, I instantly think about NIL, right? And for your premium positions, we talk about that all the time. And what do we call premium positions? Quarterback, that's well-documented with Patrick Mahomes, first-round draft pick, all-pro one of the highest paid, if not the highest paid player in the NFL, offensive tackle, Orlando Brown. They go out and acquire him via trade, right? And then pass rusher, Chris Jones, they drafted. Frank Clark, they, they, they traded for from Seattle, gave up a lot of equity. And then the corner position, they go out and they draft Trent McDuffie out of Washington in the first round this year. And then opposite of him, 
Legereus Sneed, who they've drafted and developed. So you look at all those positions, different ways of going about it, but they've also shown, hey, at the right position, we're not afraid to kind of hedge our bet here and go all in and go get the guy. And to me, this all says we have a generational prospect in Patrick Mahomes. We have to keep this window open as long as possible. And I think that's kind of the forefront of how Kansas City's front office is operating. Uh, I, I I like that tying it in with the transfer portal and where you kind of allocate your resources. I mean, how much does Kansas City really have tied up in, in their skill players? Uh, Travis Kelsey is worth it, but they got some bargain bin wide receivers. I pointed out on the podcast we did last week, uh, I thought it was interesting that how many Kansas City players are former high school quarterbacks. And we had a bunch of people over at the house on Sunday night. And I kept telling that to anyone who would listen. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's a former high school quarterback. But I, I think when you see the complex route schemes that Andy Reid draws up, like you have to be an intelligent wide receiver or, or an intelligent skill player that understands how the offense works. So it was cool to see that in real time. Kadarius Tony. I think he was 28 and start uh, 20, 20 and eight as a starter when he was in Alabama before he made his way to Florida. Sky Moore, uh, another former quarterback, obviously Travis Kelsey as well. Then Jarek McKinnon, Isaiah Pacheco. Um, uh, you're you're right, Cooper. I, I say it. I think if you are trying to, everyone's still trying to figure out how to build those college teams. How many high school guys do I take? How many transfer portal guys do I take? How do I build out my 85 man? I think the big thing and we saw it from Kansas City, is, and we've seen it from some of these other guys. I mean, the Philadelphia Eagles, all, I think all nine of their offensive linemen were built in-house uh, or, or were drafted or undrafted free agents. All those guys came from in, inside the building. They hadn't had to go out and spend money on free agents. They will have to moving forward. Um, but if you're a college team or a college scouting department, I think you're trying to hit on your quarterback position, number one. And, and I was asked about this on the college football uh, recruiting show last week. You know why is Georgia chasing after two two possible quarterbacks in in, in the twenty twenty four cycle? Well, hey man, you got to figure out that position. That position is as important as ever. Uh, and then you kind of go from there, right? Offensive tackle, uh, pass rusher. We know that cornerbacks being super important. So some fun stuff to think about. The other thing I'm thinking about, like you know, we're talking about nil. Mark Fletcher's recruitment popped into my head when I was going through this, right? Because this was somebody that we believe was heavily involved in terms of NIL, right? Decommitted from Ohio State, Miami, and Florida, both heavily involved there. He ends up signing with the Hurricanes. But you look at Kansas City alone, and not even Kansas City, but you look at Philadelphia a little bit, and you look at their running back situation. I mean, Isaiah Pacheco, seventh-round draft pick, right, out of Rutgers. Jarek McKinnon comes over in free agency the guy that's inactive for the super bowl clyde edwards elayer former first round draft pick of the kansas city chiefs and then you also got ronald jones on the roster who i believe was a second round draft pick and those guys aren't touching the field on the biggest game of kansas city's season so you think about that you think about the running back position a little bit and why it's devalued and to me in the nil side like Listen, I love, man, three, three or four backs this class, right? Like Cedric Baxter Jr., our number one back. Reuben Owens, right? Justice Haynes. We talked about Mark Fletcher earlier, but like, do, like if, if you're a NIL or if you're operating from that standpoint, and let's assume there's alignment there, which is a big assumption after what we heard last week from Bruce Feldman, is that where you want to spend your money? You know, do you do you want to spend your money at the running back position? Do you want to spend it at the receiver position? It's like, yeah, maybe I can get behind a guy like Hakeem Williams. Maybe I can get behind a guy like Carnell Tate. But you're starting to see how, you know, it, we're, we're taking the Chiefs one out of 32 teams, but I think they paint a, a broader picture here. There's some positions that are devalued and there's a higher quantity in terms of your hit rate. So the other thing, you look at their linebacker core, all second round picks, Willie Gay, Nick Bolton, Leo Chenault. All day two, day two guys. So, I mean, nine, uh, what is it, nine out of their 11 defensive starters 
all drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs. And I don't know how I correlate that too, but I guess what I'm saying is, is if you identify and you develop well, it gives you so much more flexibility as a program to be able to go out there and then just say, hey, we got to address some needs. So you're looking at teams like even like an LSU who won 10 games last season, still taking 10 players via the transfer portal. You know, I kind of look at Oregon the same way, right? And like, what is that blend? We talk about it all the time. Do you want to lean heavily to one side? Do you want to be, hey, we want to take, um, we want to be 60% transfer portal. We want to be 40% high school or vice versa. What it, What is it? And I think success can look a lot of different ways, but like, I think you can look at the makeup of the Kansas City Chiefs and then see some correlation of, okay, this is what it looks like to be sustainable. The only thing that would be different from that is the quarterback eating up your cap space. But I think there's something to be learned here at the collegiate level from how Kansas City's built this roster. Got to play the young guys as well, right? That That's a key thing. And, and you brought up LSU and – you know how many young freshmen they got in the field with the two bookend tackles, Mason Taylor in and all that. Before we pivot away from the Super Bowl, Coop, I just wanted to ask you your thoughts on Jalen Hurts. Um, we could talk a little Patrick Mahomes to me, but as I as I watch that game, I, I think my big takeaway is bigger frame quarterbacks, and I know Jalen Hurts is only six foot one. Um, but these guys can can create and improvise when the pocket breaks down and, and keep their eyes down the field. I know Jalen Hurts had the fumble. When he was trying to maybe do a little bit of too much, um, but those are the best of the best in, in terms of playing for the Super Bowl. And I thought both of them flashed a lot of it. Uh, bigger frames. I also think what stands out about Jalen Hurts, and you're familiar with his background, but this is a guy that's an absolute animal in the weight room in, in terms of the squat rack and how many times did the Eagles put him under center and push him down the field. I just wanted to tweet out to all the high school kids watching, hey, you all are allergic to the the squat rack in the weight room. This is a prime example of why it's important right there. And I, I think with Jalen Hurts, you know, you, you get a guy at that position in, in the huddle who who's not afraid to go and, and move some iron with other people in that weight room. I think guys kind of gravitate around that. I, I've been in locker rooms where – you know, it, it's just rare to see a quarterback do that. He's kind of a different breed. And I was trying to think if I could could think of anyone in the class of 2023 or, or 2024 that reminded me of that. Didn't really come up with anyone off the top of my head, but something to def definitely look for in that evaluation process, just, just different animals uh, in, in terms of how they carry themselves. I think we would be reaching. I think we talked about that last week, right? A little bit about which of those guys kind of reminded us of anybody and you know Mahomes is easy which is crazy to think um but just from like a play style pure like acrobat standpoint Nico kind of comes to mind and for Hertz there there really isn't one the one guy that I would reach on a little bit would be Jackson Arnold ironically enough who, who's going at Oklahoma but there really isn't one guy that kind of stands out and kind of reminds me of of Jalen Hurts but I mean the I don't know if we've talked about this enough. Maybe I just haven't been watching the, the mainstream media too much after Sunday's big game. But, like, those guys are warriors. I, you know Mahomes, man. Like, he's got the high ankle sprain coming into the game, gets re-injured late in the first half. And his tolerance for pain and be able to play through that, and I'm sure he got a cortisone shot at halftime. I think that's pretty safe to assume. My, my buddy said that they put like alien serum in her. <laughs> they did something. I mean, I, I mean, because the runs that he peeled off in the second half, I, I didn't think would be possible. You know, you barely even see him really run like that anyway, but just super gutsy. And to get back to Hurts, man, like I, I don't watch, I, I watched a lot of Jalen Hurts in, in, in high school and in college. I haven't watched a lot of Jalen Hurts in his development, his career arc with the Philadelphia Eagles. That was one of the best games I've ever seen him play. I mean, you take away the fumble there, right? That that spots Kansas City seven. Uh, that just ends up being a fluke play. But man, he he was hitting on all cylinders. You talk about his ability to keep the eyes downfield. He just seemed so locked in. And you know, the other thing we don't talk about. Somebody brought it up 
to me this morning because, you know, when I was tweeting about Kansas City is like, yeah, you can talk about the front office. You can talk about the personnel. But both of these organizations from like an alignment standpoint and surrounding their talent with the best staffs and the best scheme to put these guys in the best position to be successful. I mean, A++. The job Nick Serrani has done with Jalen Hurts, the job that Philly's done surrounding him with guys like Dallas Goddard, guys like A.J. Brown, guys like Devontae Smith, and then Kansas City on the other side. I mean, what Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey has is super special. It's, you know, it's like Tom Brady and Rob Gronkowski on a different level. And Travis Kelsey, man, like we don't talk about, we haven't talked about him. What do you do with that guy? I mean, what a mismatch. You know, the way he moves and, and you know, they're talking about it post game. It's like, you know, he's going to get a lot of attention. You know, he's going to get double teamed. And then you look at the stuff that Andy Reid does pre-snap. I mean, Kansas City had a couple gimmies, you know, plays that they they won before the ball was even snapped because of the motion and everything that they were doing pre-snap. So when you look at both these teams, man, like that to me is like, all right, when you when you have the imagination and the vision of saying, this is how I want to utilize this particular player. I mean, they had Jarek McKinnon as a lead blocker on the goal line. That was nuts. You know, you're talking about a five foot nine running back. For, former um, quarterback. Former quarterback, but it's just triple option you know, quarterback. We we saw a lot of good stuff. All right, Drew, final final thoughts, maybe a player or, you know, I think we need to give Nick Bolton some love. You know, former Missouri Tiger. I mean, he was all over the place. And I don't know if it was Lance Zerline, NFL uh, draft analyst, or it was somebody out there. I gotta gotta give him credit, but they were talking about Nick Bolton, how he got dinged at the combine because he didn't test well, but he was an All American, and this guy was just heady, and he was always around the football, and you saw that. I mean, tackling machine, and I think about that position, Drew. To me, the two positions in my personal experience that I feel are process from a height, weight, speed standpoint can get a little muddy is running back and linebacker. I just think it's such an instinctual position. And you can really – like I would say this. More positions are projectable based off of objective analytical data. I think those two two positions you got to favor not more necessarily – but you got to take into consideration the sub- subjective football intelligence and football instincts part of the equation a lot more than you do at other positions. I think they're the hardest positions to eval, right? And like you go to a camp, and, and I think we were discussing uh, what was it, the Under Armour All American game? How were the how the linebackers look when we were sitting in our meetings before those twenty three rankings? And it's like, well, it's hard to see them do anything in those type of settings. And I think that applies to the combine. Um, I think that that mid skill is extremely difficult. Um, one guy I just wanted to highlight before we, we wrap up the Super Bowl, Devontae Smith. You know, it's like you almost forget he won a Heisman Trophy, and then he's out there making these monster grabs. And I, I, I haven't told you this story, Cooper, but Devontae looks like the same kid he did when he was a senior in high school. I mean, he has not put on any weight, which is fine. Um, but to get an idea of him as a competitor, Mark Richt, when Mark Richt took over at Miami, they did the, the Paradise Camp, which is now turned into the Legends Camp or whatever they call it. And I'll never forget this. And it kind of reminded me when he, he made some of those big catches there in the first half. Like Devontae Smith was not going to work out at, at Miami's elite camp, right? They're playing seven on sevens. Jerry Judy's there. Uh, Alex Leatherwood's there. Uh, tons of different stars uh, are there. And I remember Mark Rick kind of walked up to Devontae Smith, and the next thing you know, Devontae Smith, after he saw Jerry Judy roasting all these defensive backs, the, the kid out of Louisiana, he found some cleats, and he went out there and, and, and cooked up some of uh, some South Florida DBs on his own. Um, and it's just cool from my perspective to now see him out there in the Super Bowl making plays. I think he had like 100 yards receiving. Um, and, and he is one of, uh, of I think, our former colleague, Barton Simmons' best best hits is inside that 32, you know, first-round wide receiver. 
All right, we're going to give Barton Simmons some love. I'm going to give myself some love. Let me talk about Trent McDuffie a little bit, okay? Because Trent McDuffie, he went to the University of Washington, which is also where I worked, class of 2019. <clears throat> hey, and guess what? For the first time, Drew, you might be able to view this show, right? Little VOD. So as you see in the background, I got my nameplate from the Rose Bowl right there at the University of Washington. But Trent McDuffie, man, was all time one of my favorite prospects that I think I ever evaluated. I think we've talked about it on this show. A little bit on the shorter side, sub 5'11". You know, but this guy played everything at St. John Bosco. Transferred in from Servite. Could play corner, could play nickel, could play safety. Had it in the return game as well. Also played running back, receiver. I mean, the position versatility, like when I think of like a clean prospect, and I talk about that a lot, like what is a clean prospect? All right, this is a guy that just continues to check every single box. And he's not necessarily undersized, but if you're sub six foot as a corner, you have to check every box. And he did on and off the football field. Football instincts elite. I think he came in a little bit shorter than people thought arm length wise at, at the combine, but Kansas City ends up taking him top 25 this past year. He ends up playing. He, listen, he gets beat earlier in the game, you know, loses the ball in good position. A.J. Brown, that that long touchdown uh, pass from, from Jalen Hurts. Man, proud of him, the player that he is. Tough, physical, versatile, and just a good football player. So a couple guys to highlight there, Devontae Smith, Trent McDuffie. Great game. Unfortunately, it comes down to, like, and I'll give it. I'll, I'll give it to James Bradbury there. You know, post game, not sulking, saying, you know, I, I held him, I tugged on his jersey. Probably not what Philly fans wanted to hear, but more or less, Kansas City taking home the hardware. Another Super Bowl for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes. You wonder, man, what what is how old is Mahomes? Twenty seven. Yeah, I think that's about right. Goodness, how talented he is, man! Like we've just become completely numb to the things that he does, which is crazy because the things that he makes look routine are extremely difficult. We're going to take a quick break. Keep it locked to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Drew, let's let's uh, transition here, get back to a little high school football. We want to talk about some under-the-radar guys. I know you and I, like, this to me, Andrew, is my favorite time of the year. Post signing day, flipping the calendar, getting to 24s, 25s, 26s, and it's really 24s. And we're going to have another update sometime next month for the 2024 class. But, you know, for us, we're still getting acclimated. You are very in depth. Like, you do your homework, and I do my homework too, but I think you have, like, you're very good about being able to balance. 23, 24, 25 years and years out. I think I'm still kind of learning how to, you know, one foot ahead of the other. I'm good at seeing what's in front of me, but being able to juggle what's after that has still been a little bit difficult. But anyway, 2024 is you and I thought it would be a good idea to talk about some guys in our region that are a little bit under the radar that probably won't be under the radar, whether it's next update, whatever it is. Um, and for those of you who don't know, my region is Alabama, Mississippi, and Tennessee. Andrews is Florida and Georgia. Somehow he's still doing that as a director of scouting. The, the two out of the three top states in terms of NFL draft production. 
and also two of the three top states in in terms of top two four representation in in the class of 2023. I really don't see that changing anytime soon. But Drew, was there a guy that popped into your mind? I know we're going to highlight two or three of these guys each. Is there a guy that jumped into your mind right away? Is like I I got to give this guy some love and put him on the radar. Well, I think for the listeners, you should point out that right now we have our top two four seven four the class of 2024, right? And that's really just kind of been a working list. And, and now we're getting a chance to to dive into it after these kids' junior seasons. Um, we're getting some camps here. You know, there's the Atlanta Under Armour camp, and, and we're going to talk about that. That's a few weeks away. Then you're going to have a stop in Orlando. So we're going to get a lot of data points, but we've seen some seven-on-seven seven and stuff. So uh, I, I'm personally going – kid by kid in my region and just watching what I can, uh, accumulating what I can. So there's going to be a lot of changes. And, and that's my big takeaway, having kind of powered through this the past three, four days, um, writing evaluations, getting getting things lined up. Like I think there's going to be a lot of movement inside the top 247. I, I think it's going to be a complete kind of makeover, in my opinion, as we identify more guys and, and we find more guys. I think there's going to be a lot of guys moving out. I think there's going to be a lot of kids moving in. And one guy I just wanted to highlight, Cooper, um, he's not even in in the top 247 right now. It's this kid, Jamari Howard, defensive back uh, out of Westland Hialeah down here in Miami-Dade County, committed to Michigan State. Um, I think he's a perfect kind of individual to talk about because you watch the highlight tape, you watch the game tape, and, and you don't really know what to expect in terms of all right, he's at Westland Hialeah. Since I've been doing this, I can't even remember a kid that's ever signed out of Westland Hialeah. Kids don't come out of there out of Miami-Dade. They always transfer to, to bigger schools. So you start watching the tape, breaking it down. You like what you see, a big six foot two DB making plays in all three phases, return game on the outside at corner, doing it a little bit at wide receiver, but you don't know because of the competition. Well, over the weekend, I did get to see Jamari Howard uh, at a super seven, seven on seven tournament driving home from a wedding, stopped in Naples, made the wife sit in the car while I went out there, and I, I saw Jamari Howard. But to me, he's a kid where you're lining up what you see on tape, right, and then you see him in a seven-on-seven -seven setting. You see how big he is, what he looks like, and you're like, okay, this is a riser for us based on what I've seen already inside the top 247. I think it's notable just because he's committed to Michigan State. I mean, Mel Tucker, um, interesting a little evaluation for them to get this kid already up to East Lansing twice. So Jamari Howard's a guy for me. I know you probably don't know much about him, Cooper, but good testing profile. And I, I think for the listeners and anyone that tunes in to this show, like that's how the process works. You watch it on tape. Tape is going to be the baseline. Then we get some in-person evaluations. We'll get more data pay points on him. And then if one guy goes up, others are going to have to move down. And I think that's how it works. Yeah, the other shoe's got to drop, right? And I think it's also important, like you talked about, you know, the top 247 getting a makeover. Like, this is the time. It's going to be the spring. It's going to be the summer. It's going to be the fall going into their junior year. But it's really this offseason where you're going to see the most amount of changes to that top 247. And it, it's happening now. And the reason it's happening now is because the live exposure, you know, we talked about the camp that I went to in Atlanta. We talked about the camp or the seven on seven uh, event that Andrew went down to in, in Naples this weekend. And for every one of me and Andrew, you know, there's a handful of Alan Trues and Brian Dones and Greg Biggins and Brandon Huffman's out there coast to coast doing the same things, collecting information, body typing, seeing the way that these guys move. And then what we do, we get together. We have those conversations and then we cross check each other's work and then we come to the conclusion and it is a constant and fluid and evolving process, this evaluation process for us. And you know, we don't have the resources of NFL front office. We just try to do the best we do with what we got. But Drew, for me, a guy that that stood out, I mean, it's like this is he's unranked right now. <laughs> I sent you an email on this this morning, but. You know, you're looking at his offer sheet that that uh, is certainly going to change soon. But that is Jamonte Waller out of Picayune, Mississippi, same high school as Oregon running back signee Dante Daddle. Uh, edge rusher, tweener, 6'2", 225, 11 and a half sacks, plays with his hair on fire 
explosive first step, closes very quickly. I mean, I think this is a guy that, like you said, um, you know, with the prospect that you were talking about, is it's easy to see kind of rising up our board. But, you know, I like this kid a lot. This is going to be a guy that's going to be on a lot of people's radars very, very soon, if not already. Uh, he's certainly, from a collegiate recruiting standpoint, he's already there. So Jamate Waller, a guy that we're playing a little bit of catch up on. But if you haven't watched him, that's a guy that I think is a name to know, especially if you're a fan in the SEC. Um, so, Drew, that's that's my guy right there. And I, I know we got him on the discussion sheet, but that's a guy that I'm fired up for you to watch. Yeah, no, I, I was trying to pull up the huddle as I was walking my dog this morning, uh, but it was a little, little cold. Uh, <laughs> could, couldn't get that done, but I did read about the kids. So I, Dude, uh, I worry about your fiancé. I worry <laughs> about your dog. I mean – Hey, you're committed to the game. You're married to the game. The fiance probably told you after you made the stop in Naples, hey, you this only happens one time a year. <laughs> I hope she said that to you. Because yeah, you I should kinda, not put her through that again. Well, I kind of I kind of burned my uh my one card, you know. It makes we're, sense. We were That's how there. you know you found the right woman. I, if she was like, hey. Let's go back to another seven on seven. I, I would say, hey, maybe reevaluate things. Well, we're we're sitting know? there at the, like the farewell brunch, and I'm like, oh, well, I'm like, Air Nolan is thrown for South Florida Express, <laughs> and like, we're making this, we're making this stop, and she's just rolling her eyes. But we did. So let's look. Can we talk about Air Nolan because he's he's another let's guy. Do it. My, yeah. So a few weeks ago, we talked about Jaden Davis, quarterback out of of North Carolina, kind of being this key key cog and the quarterback dominoes, right? Jaden Davis, considering Michigan, Tennessee, uh, Georgia's in there, a bunch of different schools. Ohio State's gone to see him. Um, I think, and I, I'm getting prepared to write this story about Air Noland, who's uh, another class of 2023 arm. And um, remember, this month's a dead period. We're, we're talking on Valentine's Day right now. Uh, once we get to March, things are going to flip back open. And I think Air Noland is a quarterback that – a lot of teams are going to try to get on campus. And he just visited Alabama in, in January. Uh, I think it was the last weekend for a junior day. Nick Saban and the Crimson Tide offered him. Miami's in hot pursuit uh, of Air Nolan. Um, and he's also mentioned to me that Ohio State is, is, is wanting to come see him either throw or, or get him up to campus. And for those that aren't familiar with Air Nolan, uh, Air is his middle name. I, I brought that up. I asked him about it. But, I mean, uh, I think if your name's Air, you're, you're kind of destined to be a quarterback. Had a monster season at, at Langston Hughes. Um, led, led, led them to a 15-0 record through 55 touchdown passes, which was, um, I, I think, one toss away from tying the Georgia State record. I'm going to assume probably Trevor Lawrence has that record, but I'm, I'm shooting from the hip there. Um, and, and Langston Hughes played in a high classification. He is a southpaw, a lefty, throws a tight spiral. Cooper, I know you've seen him or at least watched him. We moved him up into the top 247 last rankings update. He's up to, up to number 11 for us in our quarterback rankings. I think he can go even higher here um, as we kind of dive into it. Just a guy that can, can spin it all around the yard. Uh, I love the mental makeup in between the ears, just talking to him, you know, what what he wants to do, what he's looking for, and uh, he wants to get better um, consistently. So Air Nolan, I think, is going to be a riser for us in the rankings. I mean, again, we'll see how this all shakes out. It's a really talented year for quarterbacks in the state of Georgia, but I'm a, I'm a big stock-up guy on him. So 2 through 11 in the top 247 at the quarterback position, like – it's crazy that I would say this, but I don't think there's a ton of separation there, really starting with Jaden Davis, you know, and then you got guys like Elijah Brown, who got a super clean resume at modern day, has faced elite competition, and it's just kind of he, he's more of like a steady presence. Julian Sane, we've talked about him. I need to I need to see Julian Sane. I I need to see both him and CJ Carr. Those are two guys that I got circled. DJ Lagway is kind of different physically. So is Austin Mack. Walker White is kind of the wild card, right? And then Chroman Oak, I really like. I can kind of see him working his way up the board. Merklinger is a guy that it seems a lot of teams are starting to turn it up on. And then there's Aaron Nolan, which, shoot, like you look at his resume, what he's done at Langston Hughes. I don't know if there's a better resume in the country. Maybe Elijah Brown, right? But 
I mean, he is a gamer who's also very physically gifted. And that's the thing, man. Like, looking at 2 through 11 right now, I think for us, the priority needs to be how do we really see these quarterbacks? Because I'll go ahead and say it. I don't know if there's that much separation between yeah. Jaden Davis and Aaron Nolan. And and I could say that for 2 through 10. I would feel the same way. After that, I think there's a drop-off starting with Isaac Wilson. But, like, 2 through 11, a year from now, this could shake out completely different, and I would not be shocked. So you, you want to know who my, my player comp is, early player comp for Aaron Nolan is? I'd love to because I am, I am curious about that. Michael Penix. Whew. Both lefties. Yeah, I, I, I knew you were going to go there. So it's got it, go it kind of boxes you in, but Aaron Nolan, there's a metric that I'm sure you're familiar with that says that he's got like one of the fastest releases like ever. Uh, and then you see him in person, I mean, throwing on air, and you're like, okay, this like ball like flies out of his hand. So, um, I hate to, I mean, this is so like cliche, right? Like, we want to compare him to a lefty. I feel like Penix has more of like an elongated, yeah, release as a lefty. He is more Tua Tagovailoa. Tua gets that ball out quick, yeah, but just in terms of the release and he's accurate, you almost have to adjust coming from a lefty quarterback as a receiver i mean it's a different it's a different type of ball but i'm excited about this quarterback group it's a lot deeper than 23 felt in my mind i think more elite talent at the top in 23 is a deeper class that we still got to figure out yeah go ahead can, can i throw in one more random thing about air nolan i mean i was just talking i mean we were talking I, I wasn't really like trying to pull the scoop out of him that's not really my job anymore but Hey, what visits are you going on? Says he's going to go to Miami and probably Ohio State in March. And then he's like, I'm also looking at Purdue. And I'm like, whoa, Purdue? Like a little double take there. And then he says Ryan Walters, new new Purdue head coach, uh, got him a little excited about the Boilmakers. And, and, and I think they just offered him a scholarship. So didn't have that on the bingo sheet when I, when I pulled into the, the field there in Naples. But Purdue, Ryan Walters is like, Get get in, get involved with a big name quarterback. It's been a minute since we've had a little Andrew Ivan's juice on here. I miss it. I miss <laughs> you. Not, not as much news breaking, but that's that's good stuff. So it was Purdue. Who who Ohio State? Who was the other program? Miami. He's going to visit Miami. OC list Miami. Ohio State, huh? Ohio State's preparing for what post Dylan Rayola. You know. I know. I know. I'm just saying, like. To me, though, if Ohio State went the Air Nolan route, which I'd be all for, it it just feels like it would be a different type of room than what they've had in the past with Keenholes and then Air Nolan. Like not as much like both of those guys to me are just like gamers, and I'm not saying that C.J. Stroud or Kyle McCord or Devin Brown aren't those guys. But these guys, if you had Keenholes and Aaron Nolan, you got two more like – I mean, you're kind of going back to the days of like, you know, JT Barrett, guys that can move a little bit, right, give you something a little bit different. And Aaron Nolan's an excellent pocket passer, so I'm not trying to take anything away from, from him on that end. But that would be fascinating just back-to-back -back classes, I think, kind of, you know, zooming out. Well, I, I texted you guys that, that video of Keenholes like – Throwing down a dunk on the baseline. I mean, I don't care. Like, yeah, you could be playing basketball in South Dakota, but if you're going to go up and yam on, it's still a 10 foot rim. Like, you know, Keen holes might be what we've been trying to find in the sky the last week. He might just be riding around in a, in a UFO for all we know. <laughs> I mean, that guy, goodness gracious, you sent me that video. I was like, I did not know he had that in him. I mean, what have. We talk about it. We try to evade this word at, at all costs. But, like, man, what an intriguing athlete. And he's so raw as a passer. But he's, like, still, you know, so much to work with. Well, the athlete, to me, seems so untapped. I mean, he showed up in San Antonio. I'm like, this is a guy. And then you send me that video, and I'm like, wow. Like, he, he hadn't even scratched the surface, right? So I, I thought the most notable thing about Lincoln Keyholes that we're talking about, quarterback out of South Dakota – was committed to Washington, flips to Ohio State. I think the most 
notable thing for me about that All-American Bowl is he clearly struggled. There was If there was any kid there that was not ready for that spotlight, had never been to an elite camp, yes, he's played in some state title games there in, in South Dakota, but has like never been in the spotlight. And then for him to go out under the lights and be a gamer and, and make that crazy play where he scrambled to the right side of the field, came back across the field, threw it up for Kamari and Pimpton, like, that said a lot to me. Like he's got, he's kind of got that it factor, and I think it's, I think it's hard to find that. He's going to be all right. He's going to be all right. That's kind of my takeaway on that. All right, Drew. I had, I had a couple names here, but I think we said two, so I'm going to just name one. And this was a guy that you love. And then I went back and I watched him last night, and we're talking about linebackers, and we talked about Nick Bolton earlier. I think you know where I'm going with this. Oh, I do. Bradley Shaw out of Hoover and a guy that we have in our top 100 right now. I believe he's tucked inside the top 75. And, I mean, I, I couldn't find the stats on him. I looked all over the place. And and I watched his midseason highlight. He had 55-plus plays on there. I'm like, that's not even as – he doesn't even have a full-season highlight on here. But talk about instinctive. Talk about intelligent. Talk about just – traditional linebacker and I mean his best quality at the position is without a doubt and I don't mean this as a slight he's very athletic he's also a state champion in the discus his read and react ability is off the charts and I shouldn't even call it read and react I should call it key and diagnose because he is a proactive defender he is not a reactive defender I mean this guy continuously just so disruptive, sniffing out plays time and time again. And maybe there's a little bit of a conversation. I think Gabe Brooks, who's also very involved in this scouting process with us, would push back on the notion of his shot and disc. But how high is his ceiling physically? I think that remains to be seen. I think we got we to gotta see him in person. But the floor... I mean, the floor is as high as it gets. And we've seen these guys, right? We're talking about Nick Bolton, Leo Chanel, Willie Gay, all those guys going in either round two or round three. This is a guy to me that just screams that. He can no way in hell he's going to fall out of the top 64 at the next level or top 75, whatever it is, because you just turn on the tape and you're like, man, this guy is just a half step ahead of everything and he's playing good ball down here in alabama at hoover really really impressive I, I just like if you're a fan of football turn on this guy's tape that's that's the way i feel about him i think he, if you listen to this to this show like this is a name to know because georgia has sunk their teeth into him right just picked up i think that uh offer from alabama recently uh, Auburn's on there. You go to his Twitter profile. He's standing next to Hugh Freeze, who's rocking a sick little CAA sports shirt. Um, yeah, Alabama did, just did an offer. Like, I, I think he's a guy that we're going to be trying to figure out as we get into uh, maybe June, takes a few summer official visits. But, no, I agree. Coop, I don't even know if you've seen the clip of him from uh, in Tuscaloosa. I don't, I don't know who snuck a camera in, but he's doing, like, a little little drills where he's – you know, coming forward, bringing back some footwork drills, and, and they're super impressive. Uh, no, I, I like this guy. I think you bring up a great point. You know, how big can he get? Think think back to Raylan Wilson this past cycle. You know, uh, freak athlete, little little limited by the size. How high do you move him up the board? Uh, you know, and, and we put Raylan into the top 32. I think Bradley Shaw is a guy we need to gather more information on. You know, it's like a balloon going across the country. We're gonna We're going to study it. <laughs> As much oh, as we man. can, and, and and I'm assuming we're going to see him at one of these camps. Hopefully, it's hopefully it's the one in Atlanta. Um, get some verified measurements on him, but the college feedback on, on Bradley Shaw is is excellent as well. So I I love that pick, and I love that you're all in on him. How about the Oyster Boys sneaking in a couple of uh, UFO references, <laughs> a couple Chinese spy balloon references? We're on it. Hey, and by the way, if you enjoy the 24/7 Sports football recruiting podcast make sure you subscribe wherever you find your podcast that could be apple that could be spotify also make sure to leave a rating on there as well in a comment we always enjoyed those guys thank you for listening 
we still got a little bit of more of the show left. And Drew, two other guys I'll just mention, Amari Jefferson, who you're going to get familiar with here very, very soon, out of the state of Tennessee. And a guy right now I had I have rated as a mid three star. I haven't, you know, brushing up on his junior tape. That's that's going to change here soon. Over thirteen hundred receiving yards as a junior, seventeen touchdowns. The other thing here, he's committed to Tennessee to, to play baseball. Tennessee's pretty good at baseball, if you haven't heard. Um, Cameron Coleman, another big long receiver out of Central and Phoenix City. I've gotten to see him live a couple times. Six three, one ninety. Kind of reminds me of Braylon James, Darius Clemens. Kind of fits that mold a little bit raw. He just, I think, I don't, I don't know how many opportunities he had this year, but I like this guy a lot. We're going to take a quick break. Keep it locked to the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Drew, let's recap uh, our weekend a little bit. We talked about Aaron Nolan. We can kind of see if you if there's any other. I know we're kind of going off the script here for you, but uh, if there are any other things that you took away from you, your brief stop in Naples. For me, I was in Atlanta, if you want to call it that, Carrollton High School over the weekend at the UC Report Power Academy Camp. And if you're not familiar with that, just a really good event for underclassmen, 2024, 2025, 2026, uh, in, in Carrollton. And this is a combine that UC Report puts on. UC standing for underclassmen that they just do an excellent job and uh, some of my favorite events to cover because it's almost like standardized combine testing, right? It's the same format. They go through biometrics. They get tested. Also go through agility drills. They get a lot of instruction. And then at the end of the day, which is what everybody waits for, you kind of you get the one-on-one -on -one portion of the event where you get to see a little bit more. So for us, more of a body typing, seeing these guys move around for the first time. And for me, Drew, I mean, the two guys that I'm like, who in the heck are those guys? Nick Brooks, 2025 tackles, 6'8", 350 pounds. He transfers from St. Francis High School in Alpharetta. He's going to be playing his ball at Beaufort next year. He's already got Florida, UGA, Louisville, a handful of others. Braden Jacobs, the son of Brandon Jacobs former Super Bowl running back for the New York Giants. Guess what? Nick Brooks' teammate, he's going to be playing at Buford too. He's also coming over from St. Francis, 2025 offensive tackle. Just a shade under Nick Brooks coming in at six foot six, 310 pounds. He's got Auburn, Florida, Georgia already. And you look at those guys and it's like, man, if you're a running back or a quarterback at Buford right now, I mean, now is the time. Um and a couple other standouts, Pierre Dean from North Carolina, 6'5", 2026. The fact that he was a freshman, I, I just could not believe. Lean, muscular frame, athletic, lead in his hands. I mean, some of the strongest hands that I think I've seen uh, during the camp circuit. And then Christopher Isaiah Campbell, another long defensive lineman, 6'5", 265 pounds out of Green Central High School in North Carolina. So, I mean, the other thing, Drew, they just kept guys 
keep popping up out of North Carolina. And you're like, where did these guys come from? You know, but a well, good I've, event. I've told you my theory on that, right? No, I know. I know what it used to be called. D-line heaven is. What, no, no, uh, no, 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 no. So I, 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 I can't attest this to anyone, but why is, why is football improving in North Carolina? And the theory is, is Carolina Panthers, right? They've been there now for a little over a decade. And, you know, that that fallout of, of having the team there, having people associated with the team, former players living there, it's, it's improved the quality of football. And, and that's why Charlotte is churning out more and more guys, which is interesting. And I think if you kind of marinate on that as you drive down the road, I mean, it, it makes some sense, right? Like NFL organization goes in, more and more people are watching games, going to games, and uh, it helps improve the, the product. Let's circle back to that Brandon Jacobs kid, right? You're talking about the running back from Auburn. Correct. Yeah, his dad, Super Bowl champion. Yeah, big physical north-south back. Yeah, his son, Braden Jacobs. Okay, yeah. Great. So I remember yeah. in 2020, I was at a camp, and Brandon Jacobs was there, and his son was there. So his son had to have been, what, like a seventh grader? Mm -hmm. And they were saying, okay, so he's he's progressing along nicely. And and the, my big takeaway is Brandon Jacobs is like the biggest dude. And I always tell people that oh, yeah. with NFL players, I'm like, yeah, that guy you think's an O tackle, now nah, it's running back. <laughs> that wide receiver, no, nah, that's or you think that's I will DN? say, I mean, outside of Derrick Henry, I haven't seen anything like Brandon Jacobs since he left the league from a side. I mean, you said it. I mean, he was a huge physical bruising back. I mean, huge part of their success during their Super Bowl runs with, with Eli Manning and Michael Strahan and those guys. I mean, and you see his son and his son, man, lean frame. Like I said, six foot six, 310 pounds, a little raw, but I mean, that's what you expect from a, from a rising junior. I mean, both those guys look like legit NFL tackles. Like from a body type standpoint, like those guys are legit. You you know how we get to the All American Bowl in San Antonio, and everybody's like an inch shorter than what they thought, or maybe an inch and a half. Well, I, when you measure me, it I was two inches shorter than yeah. There you go. Hey, reality it's tough sometimes. But Nick Brooks, six eight, he's legit six six foot six and change. Braden Jacobs, six foot six, three ten. He's legit six five plus. Like those those guys aren't far off. Uh, and as we saw in San Antonio, if you're over the six foot five mark, then you're kind of in rarefied air. But I'll tell you, we, Drew, we got another camp I'm going to see in in two weeks, bub. It, back in the same spot, Carrollton High School. Let me tell you about that place. And that that had a better indoor facility than what we had at the University of Washington in Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, football in the South, man, football in the state of Georgia. I'm like, what is this place? You walk in there and they got the fans inside. You're like, just impressive all around. It's just crazy to me how much the game, not even high school football, but just how much is invested in some of these programs you go see and you're like, wow. Well, Car Carrollton's home too. And, and, and cover your ears here, here, Cooper. Top 2026 20, quarterback, Julian Lewis. <laughs> Who is already already got plenty of hype around him? So uh, I don't. I'm not saying they built the indoor practice facility for him, but there is there is a ton of investment. I think Rusty Manzel, our buddy, at some point during the season, he called a game at Carrollton and like was like tweeting out like the uh, suites that they had, like and not like suites for like the AD. Like you could be a booster and like have a box <laughs> at this high school, like which is just mind blowing to me. Um, no, I'm fired up that that indoor practice facility exists because last year, the Under Armour All-America game camp, I was miserable because it was like 36 degrees and raining for this entire camp. Uh, your boy doesn't do cold, and um, it's it's a lot. And I'm glad we're going to have multiple boots on the ground because it, it's hard to kind of kind of piece together who's who and, and get the roster in place. Um, so I'm fired up for that camp. I'm also going to point out Buford. You mentioned how many of those kids from that camp that you mentioned went to Buford? A bunch of them, right? A uh, handful, yeah. And there was also, I think you need to, uh, not you, we need to to verify this. Was Paul Mupinga, LSU offensive lineman signee, does he have a, a baby brother? I believe so. Okay, because 
there is a, a long freaky athlete in 2025 or six, I believe with the same last name. And I was like, okay, easy correlation there. He's got a ways to go, but just in terms of physically, I mean, he's got the frame. He's got what you're looking for, edge edge rusher. And then Beaver had another defensive lineman there that had a good day. I mean, they're just they're loaded. I'm just pointing it out because I'm on our partner Max Prep's website. I guess they opened the season against St. Francis Academy uh, somewhere uh, on the road or or whatnot. But St. Francis, like always, loaded up with different individuals. So that's going to be like kind of a uh, must-watch game. That'd maybe be a big one, one. Maybe one of us will be there. <laughs> maybe both of us. Who knows? <laughs> How about uh, we're uh, Oyster Boys getting back together in uh, in Atlanta two weeks from now? I know we won't be alone though. We'll have some company. Our guy Brian Doan will be there as well. So we're yeah. fired up about that. Our Drew closing thoughts as as we get out of here. My mind is just completely personal. I want to tell the world that you know I picked up golf eight months ago and I have been. Just going through the roller coaster of emotions. God, what a tough game. What an addicting game, though. Your boy went out, snuck in nine on Friday. His first birdie, Andrew. That's what I was talking about with producer Lance. First I was birdie. wondering, I was wondering what you guys were yeah. talking about. <laughs> I'm telling everybody that will listen. So I'm very excited. Over sunk a fifty plus foot putt. Don't worry. I had somebody else out there with me. I'm not making this up, I promise. And then uh, proceed it to triple and uh, quad bogey the next two holes. You know, it's a humbling game. But anyway, I got to put that out there in the universe. Hey, that's what keeps us coming back, dude. I think I'm going to be ready, dude. I think I'm going to be Masters 2032 practice round. I'll be able to go there and watch, get the feel of the game. Speak, <laughs> speaking of, I know you got you got Matt, you got the Masters up your sleeve this year, don't you? Yeah, we got we we won the lottery. We we're going to practice practice round that Monday. That's they awesome. just sent the email about it, so fired up about that. Uh, my final thought, Coop, who who hires an uh, offensive coordinator first, Notre Dame or Miami? Oh, Notre Dame. I think Miami's like three, 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 three weeks away from spring practice. And they might be another three weeks until they hire a coordinator. Trust me, man. Like, he's, he's – he he has no issue taking his time to be completely settled and he he will talk to anybody that he thinks is a viable candidate in the process and this is not this is not new like this happened last year right in, in Miami's first hiring cycle it's like what is happening there's everybody else's timeline and then there's Mario's timeline and then this happened at Oregon i remember i'm like are we going into this season with the re- without a receivers coach? And then we hired. We ended up hiring like Brian McClendon super late. You know, it just honestly, man, he didn't he didn't care what you know anybody else's expectations is. He's going to take his time. I just have no like. If you're a Miami fan, you're like, all right, Jason Candle, Major Applewhite, like what? Like who were the guys? You know what I'm saying? Um, and there's really been nothing uh that i can make of it that i feel like hey we got a we got a good pulse on this so huge hire man for him i will say that big hire now he moved quick on the on the gidry hire the defense coordinator that came over from Tulane and was at marshall before that so there's obviously a lot of conviction there if steel were to bounce and and same with charlie strong so um Interesting times at Miami. I mean, what what are you, what are your thoughts on that? What do you think? I mean, does that bother you at all? Is that do you take anything? From I, that? I think the Lance Gidry hire is kind of low key. I, I, I mean, former former FAU Al, <laughs> he, he did it. He did it a season there. I think it, from X and O standpoint, I, I think it's a great hire. I think it's what they need. Um, but it seems like it's kind of led to some other shakeup on the staff that maybe wasn't anticipated. I, I, I don't know. I'll say this, that shakeup, and this is just my personal opinion, need it, much need it. Kevin Steele, see ya. Good luck at Alabama. Charlie Strong, okay, that frustrates you. I understand, but good luck elsewhere. Like, I'm not – if I'm Mario Cristobal, okay. I, I have no issue with that whatsoever. Josh Gaddis, I know you had to, to boot him out of the door, but, like, I thought those guys were hired last year, and then all of a sudden the hype machine just 
Oh, we got Charlie Strong. He used to be the head coach at Texas and South Florida. Oh, we got Kevin Steele. You, you know, he'd been all these places. Like, yeah, you, you win the headlines. You're not winning headlines with Lance Gidry, but you just said it. He's a good football coach. He knows X's and O's. Yeah. Mario Cristobal is an elite recruiter. He needs to be surrounded by elite football minds. That's what he needs. And I have no shame in saying that. The other guys, I mean, you're talking about Gaddis, who on the way out in Michigan, I don't think anybody in Ann Arbor was like, hey, we're going to miss this dude. <laughs> From what I gather, I don't think anybody was there like, hey, it, yeah, that's it. And then you look at what Michigan does. And then you and then you know you talk to some people around the program. It's like, yeah, hey, Sharon Moore, that's kind of the guy. Okay, and then Michigan doesn't fall off at all. Kevin Steele, Miami, you can you know you can talk about that that one year. But Kevin Steele was the same guy that tried to oust Gus Malzahn and have a coup with major power brokers at Auburn. That's a guy you want? No, I don't want him. And then Charlie Strong, I just think he, you know his best years are behind him in terms of having him on as a position coach. Yeah. Like if you're Miami, so what? Yeah, you, you got to deal with the sunk cost of year one. But you got to get these right because if you get it right, you can get back on path. And that's, that's what Mario needs to do. And I think he's done that with his defensive coordinator hire. Obviously needs to do it with offensive line too. So not not offensive line, excuse me, offensive coordinator. Sorry, Alex Mirabal, close friend of mine. I love Alex Mirabal. Um, anyway, our right, Drewser, that's all I got, man. That's all I got, bud. Hey, you want to tell you want to tell the people who our guest is going to be on uh, on Wednesday or on Thursday show? Thursday show. That's that's you. Thursday show. It's going to be NFL Network draft analyst Lance Zerline. How about your boys, man? We just love the eval process, huh? So we're going to, you know, Zerline's going to come on here. We're going to ask him a ton of questions. He's gracious enough to make some time for us. So we're fired up about that. We're going to continue to try to bring you some of the best guests from media, from college football, from NFL to personnel, whatever it is. We're open to anything in everything. But, guys, we appreciate you joining us today. And we'll be back tomorrow, Wednesday. February 15th. And for our director of scouting at 24-7 Sports, Andrew Ivins and producer Lance Gwynn, I'm Cooper Saga, and we'll see you tomorrow. The baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.